Good day, and welcome to Healing in the Afterloss. This is a show about coming to a place of peace and healing after loss. I am Deborah Brown, and it is my honor and privilege to be co-hosting the show with Benjamin Allen, my friend, a brilliant writer, a gifted speaker, and an amazing human being. Benjamin? Hi, how are you, Deborah? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I was thinking, am I here by myself? <laughs> yeah, yo. <laughs> <laughs> he's an amazing human being, but he's not with me. <laughs> I was just wondering who you were talking about, that's all. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. Well, let's begin our journey together, because this is a journey when we put together a radio show and put ourselves on the line for 30 or 45 minutes every couple of weeks. Uh, let's let's start out with what I call your two-minute movie. And that way, our listeners can get a feeling for who you are, who you've been, or who you want to be. So basically, what I want you to do is in two minutes, tell me all about yourself, starting as far back as you'd like to go, all the way up to today. Ready? All right. Well, I'm ready. I think I'll start with today and go backwards, because today I'm in a beautiful place of of healing and, and a time of peace and a time of still there's a lot of challenges because loss takes uh, a lifetime to go through but the loss started as I peel my way back and start where my initial losses began was at the be- uh, when my wife and two children had uh, were diagnosed with a terminal illness and each of them died at at different periods through a 13-year process. And I think that's why we're here with talking about the after loss. And so uh, I'll start there is that uh, our first child was born and uh, was infected with the HIV through a transfusion to his mother. So Lydia, my wife, and Matt, our first child, were infected. We didn't know. And then two years later, we had another child who was also infected with the HIV in utero from, uh, with Lydia. And we got a call from the blood bank about uh, uh, five months after Brian, our youngest, was born and got the diagnosis that all three of them were HIV positive and I was negative. And we started our journey of loss, not just loss at the end of life, but loss in the midst of life. And that's where we unfolded this process of finding great love, great meaning, great nurturing, and great loss. Um, And uh, Brian died in 1986 at eight and a half months old. He was the first to die. The second was Lydia in 1992. And Matt, our oldest child, died at the age of 13 in 1995. So that's really the story that for two minutes, that's, that's all I can give, uh, but that's the beginning point. And the beginning point is really this moment, this day, and the day that, that I have come to a place of peace with, with what I have and what I don't have. And how about you? You get two minutes, too. So what is your <laughs> two minutes? Well, I'm going to... Um First of all, I was processing what you were just saying, and I, I have to kind of get myself back together because that's, that's an amazing story, and I, I know your story, but it always affects me the same way, and I, I just, um, I'm, I'm so happy to be here with you so we can talk about that and, and talk about your journey and mine and hopefully help other people 
come to the same sense of, of peace and, and healing that you're feeling today. But as far as me, um, I was a proud, proud Army brat. I was born in the Philippines. I lived in Sweden as a toddler. Uh, I was on to Iran for first grade. It was back in the days of uh, <laughs> certainly different from the way it is now in Iran, no, no doubt. Uh, I had seventh, eighth, and ninth grade in Turkey. It was great, great being a military brat. I loved it. Uh, I have two brothers who did not love it as much, um, but uh, that's the way it goes. I was the oldest, and I thought it was cool. Um, I landed in Maryland for high school and a terrible marriage that lasted 10 years. I then married a Marine and continued my traveling around the country, and that, that marriage didn't pan out too well either. I don't know how to pick them, I guess. Um, but I decided to, <laughs> to go to college full-time during the last years of that marriage. And luckily for me, we happened to be stationed in Hawaii at the time, which is, of course, not a bad place to go to school. So I got my bachelor's degree in sociology when I was about 35. I divorced my Marine, and he's still my Marine in my mind. And I moved to California where I met and fell in love with Pete and his daughter, Carissa, who was at that time 12 years old. Carissa is now a happily married 30-something, actually almost 40-something, but we won't, we won't tell anybody. And we have two granddaughters, thanks to her and her husband, Don. Uh, the girls are ages 5 and 8. We all live in Arizona now, which is, which is great because they started out in uh, California. And we had the, the visiting was not as fun as it is now because it's just 45 minutes up the road. Um, I will say that Pete and I have been doing radio together for the last seven years. We're about to hit our 100. I'm sorry, 1,000th. I started to say 100th. 1,000th Boomer and the Babe show, and this show, the Healing in the Afterloss show, is actually part of the Boomer and the Babe network of shows. And to wrap up my two-minute movie, I will say that I am a publisher, an editor, a marketer, and my favorite, favorite thing, truly, is helping people get their books and their programs out to the people they serve. That's it. Very nice, very nice, and I must say that the the and the way for those out there, the way that, that Deborah and I met was through Rachel, my wife, and it was in the uh, working on the editing and publishing of my book that uh, Deborah and I got to know each other so well, and and she, uh, you got it, you got what I was trying to say, and you found the the essence of that, and you've been so helpful in, in bringing that to life. Uh, so hopefully it will give life to others. And so that's how we first encountered each other is through your expertise in your uh, editing and your publishing and marketing. So, well, it, it was, I have to say, it was one of the most amazing, impactful, I can't even, put, I, I, I'm, I'm a wordsmith and I've, I'm at a loss for words, at the beauty, the tenderness, the depth of your writing when you talk about your family in your book, which is called Out of the Ashes, Healing in the Afterloss. And the day that it went to number one on Amazon because of your efforts, my efforts, and Rachel's efforts, and all the people that love you and all the people that come to love you, the day that it hit number one was one of the best days I've ever had. It was that good. <laughs> so, so that's where I get my juice is being with people who have a message 
and just being in the right place at the right time to say, you know what, I think we can really have an amazing dance together. And I think you feel the same way. Right, right. I do. I mean, I, I, I wrote the book because I felt like I had gone to come, I'd come to a place where I had found great healing. And so I, the book is a reflection of the journey, but also the healing. And, and I wrote it hopefully that those that are going through processes of loss can find themselves in it and to find that that part of them and the journey, the words and and the thoughts and the experiences that I have are a reflection of their own words, thoughts, and experiences. And and this is something we could share together. I am definitely not a marketer. I'm definitely not that ilk. And, you know, each of us have our strengths, and I'm grateful for your strengths. I'm grateful for Rachel's strengths. Rachel has been uh, such an integral part of of my healing in so many different ways, but also in the the manifestation of this book. She did the initial editing and cut out a lot of my darlings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, did, and did quite well with that. And then you did, you came in and refined it even more. But it was, it, it does, I believe, have a message of hope because I believe that in loss, as we travel through it, as we lean into it, then we come to a place that uh, we find healing. And there's a real specific ter- um, way I express healing is, Healing is being able to be at peace with the loss. It's not be, being out of pain. It's not being out of, you know, moving on or anything like that. It is moving into a place of peace with my experience of moving into a place of peace with forever being in loss and in missing them but not being immobilized by that loss. Well, so, that, is a, that is a distinction. Yeah, that is a distinction um, because so many people say, oh, well, it'll be so much better when you move on. Oh, it'll be so much yeah. better when you stop whatever, whatever. And, of course, I would never tell someone they are wrong to have whatever feelings they have. I mean, sometimes I might want to do that with Pete, but <laughs> that's different. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, seriously, when, when somebody is expressing themselves, um, even though it seems counterintuitive sometimes, um, to me, um, they have to have their feelings. But I like this much better. It's it's not about moving on, but moving in to a new place of peace. Or or is it even right to say new place? Yeah, I think so. I think it's you know when when uh, you know we talk about the you know the reason it came up with the term after loss is because the people that have died in my life they I believe went to an after life. And I was left in this state of being that was no longer what I had, and it wasn't an afterlife. It was an after loss, and and it's a whole different terrain. It's a whole different uh, state of being. And I I have experienced in my own life that when someone dies, a part of me goes with them, and a part of them stays with me. And grief is the reintegration of that new life. So it is a new life. It is, it is how do I relate to the ones I love in this different way of relating, in a new way? How do I relate to myself? And how do I relate to the world around me in the initial stages of the after loss? And even today, I'm not in sync with the world of before. I'll, I will never have the life I once had, but I will have a new life. 
and a new life that still has love, still has meaning, still has joy, and still carries the sorrow of loss. And I, I know that you have your moments, I'm going to guess, I said I know, but I'm going to guess, rather, that are, they're overwhelming, where you just yeah. really think, oh, my gosh, you know, why did all that have to happen? And really, do, do I have to, you know, lean in, or can I just go to bed today and forget it? <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer to that question is, yes, I do go to bed and forget it. No, the, and, the, and I do. There is that. When you first asked, I was thinking, you know, what, you know grief is not linear. It does not go from point A to point B. And, you know, sorrow and loss, you know, have their ebbs and flows in its own rhythm, and every individual grieves differently. And, yeah, I still come across days where I just say, hey, this is all I can do today. And this is years after. You know, this doesn't – and I don't sit there and go, oh, I should be over this. I, I say, oh, here's another experience that I can go deeper. And as you mentioned, the leaning into – the only way to get to something is to go through it. And I wanted to get to peace. I wanted to get to a place where I could live life and enjoy life but still hold, you know, all of my life. And I, and the only way to get there was to lean into the pain, lean into those days where I couldn't do anything and just don't do anything. And that's leaning into it and not judging and being gentle with the journey. And so, you know, that's, that's very, very important to, to share with folks is that grieve the way you need to grieve, don't judge it, be gentle, and know that it has its own rhythm. And it's not, it's, it's not about, oh, I'm okay when it's over. I'm okay in the midst of whatever I'm leaning into. What makes it not okay is when I don't lean into it, when I try to block it my resistance creates more pain than leaning into it. And see, that I learned that through our process of finishing the, the book and, and doing all the work we did to, to get it into the state that it's in right now, which is absolutely stunning, I have to tell you people. Anybody you who does did not a already, beautiful... <laughs> well, the, the gorgeous cover, uh, Rachel did the, the cover, the front cover is absolutely stunning, and I want to say um, that the slideshow that is that is showing right now, as people are looking at the player, uh, those are pictures that Rachel took of your neck of the woods, right, where you guys live in Lake Tahoe, correct? Right, right. You know, Rachel, Rachel and I have been all over the world, and that, that is in the book of where we we met in Thailand, and we moved to Australia and New Zealand, and all these. And she's taken pictures. She's quite a photographer, and she's done a, a wonderful job. And, and what she does is um, she takes these pictures, and she took that picture of one of our favorite places in the cover of the book. And it does, that's not us that are standing on the rocks, by the way. But we, uh, and it was just in passing, and that's how she she does it. She captures things in the moment. She doesn't try to create them, and that's a beautiful metaphor for life. Uh, and she has this wonderful eye and can pick these things out. And then um, what she's done also, not just with the cover of the book, but on the Facebook page, some of the, the things that I write, she puts some of the quotes out of that into um, 
the pictures in, in, in the, of nature, and it is quite stunning what she's able to do and, and to to uh, convey through her art. Well, you answered me beautifully because I wanted to actually let people know about the Facebook page for exactly what you're saying. I was actually going to say that slideshow is just a taste of what's happening on the Facebook page. So it's facebook.com slash the after loss, the after you know, loss. We, yeah, we actually got that changed also uh, to uh, Facebook was willing to let us change it to grief and the after loss because uh-huh. uh, because uh, most people don't understand that term after loss. And when somebody is just, you know, searching out of their own hurt to find something around grief, now we have the word there to where they can find it through grief and healing in the after loss. And so that's a – and it's, it's quite a community. It's really been uh, beautiful to see the responses and, and the pain that, that people share there and the journeys that we are sharing together in the healing process. Uh, you know, I, there are people that have come to that page that have just been days into their loss or, and months into their loss, and there are people that have been years into their loss. And, uh, and there's a whole unfolding of, of that non-judgmental, loving presence there that people have a safe place to be. I have noticed that it is what I would also call raw and tender at the same time. It <laughs> is... It is um, it's amazing, too, that you answer so many of the comments, and I don't know if you appreciate the way I appreciate about you how much of a teacher you really are. Um, I know you were a minister at one time, weren't you, a Baptist minister? At one time, uh, yeah. That was... At one time, a hundred years ago, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know if you've ever been a teacher teacher, but um, you you teach people... Um, some of the things that are in the book um, are some of the most amazing lessons that I have ever learned. And I really do encourage people to get the book and then just find them for yourself because everyone will find their own lessons and their own aha moments in the book. Because if you'll remember, um, there were places in the book where I would get kind of emotional when we were working in, in, uh, in various yeah. chapters because it would remind me of my mother who passed away uh, 2009, January 2009. So it's, it's been a while, but I miss her every single day. And I thankfully have accommodated very nicely to that. I mean, I, I don't grieve. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't grieve for her. I just miss her terribly. Does that make sense? Oh, perfect sense. I mean, and, and and I think we also need to change what grieving is. You know, like if if grieving is the reintegration of this beautiful person that was a part of our lives into our life, then that's an ongoing lifetime process. And and what I hear you say about your mother and that missing her is that it, it's more than that. It, it, my experience when I miss my son, I am also integrating deeper into our relationship. My sorrow and my sadness are like the rainbow of the covenant saying we are always together. 
And so I don't see the missing as as being a, a negative thing. And I don't see my sorrow as being negative. I see it as as a testament to the eternal love that we have. And so, you know, the grieving, that's what grieving is for me. And so when you say, you know, I don't grieve, well, no, you don't grieve as in the agony of loss. You mm-hmm. grieve in the, in the beauty of presence and the beauty of, of that, that ongoing love you have for your mother. And, that, that, and that's, that's never ending. And people that think there's some kind of time limit on grief, some time of, of okay, you're over it now, get back into life. No, loss, what, what I describe it for me is I'm living in loss. Because loss is always a part of me, but so is the connection. I'm living in connection as well. And so well, I, you know, you're, you're not, oh, go ahead. You know, I was just going to say, it's exactly right. And the connection that I have with my mother, um, things will happen, and I will say to Pete, oh, my mother would have said blah, blah, blah. Oh, my mother would yeah. have said blah, blah, blah. And it has become, frankly, since you and I worked together on your book, it became easier for me to kind of go there, you know, without feeling like I was going to choke up every time I tried to say anything about my mother, which I'm going to do right now. (laughs) Oh, well, too late. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just... um, And you know, Deborah, that's beautiful because what that is is the emotions coming up, and that's, that's the beauty of the connection that is always there. And, you know, like for you to say that, that you, you, we do incorporate some of what are the ones we love, their, their lives, the way they did life. I have incorporated so much of Lydia in me that I go, wow, that's, that's Lydia. That's, you know, I, that's part of me now. And that's what's happening for you. And, and also, Deborah, you know, just please, right now, if you feel comfortable, share some story about your mother. Because that, when we share the stories and we remember it is an honoring but it's also an integration of of the beauty and the remembering is 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 so healthy to share and talk about the ones we love so do you have a story that a lovely story of your mother that <laughs> um, you feel comfortable well, in sharing I do actually. I remember. Um, remember, I said in my little two-minute movie that I started first grade in Iran, and that is not a cool place to start first grade, <laughs> if you think about it. Because mm-hmm. we lived on uh, what my mother used to call we lived on the economy. That means we did not live in a compound. We did not live on post. We lived out in Tehran, and that means that for me to get to school was a process. And it was not a simple process. And there was a bus driver that tried to run me over every single day of first grade. I don't know why, but my mother was a warrior. And she protected me every single day (laughs) with all she had then and for the rest of her life. She protected and it was not easy because we lived in places we did not belong. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I love I love my mother. Yeah, and, the warrior. And, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, and just sharing that that's that's what we do. That's what we do together. We we honor the lives that have touched and created and and expanded our lives. 
and that's a beautiful story. And I'll bet you that even since her death, that her life is still a part of that protection that you feel today. You know that that that's, and and see that's where there is there isn't a a um, well how do I put this? It's, there's a fine line between here and there. And we cross that line constantly when we are in, in the, the grieving process or the healing process, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but that fine line and that thin veil, it often it, we pass through. And, and what you just did just then was you passed through to a very beautiful place that was not only your past, but also your present. It's beautiful. You know, and that's what we do. We share with each other. And in the sharing, that's where healing, part of the healing can happen. Well, thank you for letting me um, have that space and for, you know, th- that's what I know about you. That's, what, that's who you are. It's, it's how you are on the Facebook. It's how you are on your blog, which I have to tell people has 68 amazing posts right now, and I know there are others that are being... Um, updated and, and put up as soon as people can do it, whoever your team is that's doing it, because I know, Rachel, and you can't do it all by yourselves, because you are in service to what I call the grief community in a way that is so beautiful, so giving, so tender, that um, <clears throat> it, it makes a difference for me and it makes a difference for others. And your book is exactly the same thing. And I also want to tell you, and I hope this is okay, but I feel like I love Matt. Yeah, thank you. Because yeah. he came to life in that book in such a way that I can even, you know, the, way, the same way that I say my mother would say or whatever, I even think, oh, Matt would think that was funny. And, <laughs> and I never even knew him. I never even knew him, but I feel like I do. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah, I, you know, Matt, Matt and I had a very precious life together. We had 13 years uh, in physical presence. Uh, we have had a lot longer than that uh, in, in presence. And uh, he was such a beautiful child. And I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm grateful that you feel that about Matt because that's what I wanted people to know. I, I wanted them to know what an incredible child this, this, this little human being was and uh, that uh, how deeply he touched my life. And, uh, and not just, and also Brian and also Lydia, but a lot of the book is really our interaction because he lived uh, longer than the rest and, and we, were, we were so close from the very beginning. But uh, thank you for that and thank you that... that um, that you know, Matt, that's so important. You know, that's why we share stories about the ones we've loved and, and lost. Um, um, I want to say something about that in just a second, love and loss. Uh, there's a little thing for me about that. But, but we share these stories because, you know, we want people to know what so much a part of our lives and important in our lives and that have shaped our lives. We want people to know the ones. And I think one of the sad parts that happened for me is when I moved to a different place and no one knew Matt. 
No one knew Lydia O'Brien. No one knew the people that, that I, I live with every day. You know, and so that, that invisible part of me, and, and that, was, that was hard. But I wanted to um, say something about, the, the, you know, when people talk about our loved ones in past tense, I just can't do it. You know, I know that's Rachel tells me when I write that that that's that's not proper English. You, you say loved ones. I said I don't care. I can't do it. You know, it's because I it's I can't live. I don't, I don't live and I don't think in past tense. I think in present, and so I've had to change that to the, to the ones I love. You know, that have passed, and, and I just I, there's just something about that 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 it. They're not past tense to me. Life, life isn't live. I don't live in the past. I don't miss what I had. What I miss is what I don't have now. I, mm-hmm. I miss the present. I miss what's missing in the present, not what was what was finished in the past. That is a fine line there. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I, I want to go back to um, <clears throat> what you were talking about a moment ago, and the word that you did not say that comes to mind for me is legacy. The legacy of Lydia, the legacy of Matt, legacy of Brian, the legacy of, of my mother. I mean, there's a, there's a legacy that we can keep alive by telling the stories, by honoring the relationship that we continue to have, like you're saying. Um, my mother and, and my father, who died much longer ago he died in 88 which he was only 60 years old which just is such a ripoff which i'm sure you agree since you lost very young you know very young people too um is that okay if i feel ripped off because i do i feel like it's really a ripoff that my dad died that young (laughs) i'm sure you you understand that one (laughs) but uh but legacy is um is i think for me the big thing keeping that not even just keeping it alive, but expressing it, giving it a giving it yeah. a container, a place. I think that I think that's a beautiful way to put it. It is it is about expressing it and and a container. You know that the day before Matt died, I asked him. I said, "When do you want to die?" He was so fragile. It was so he was so debilitated. I said, "When do you want to die?" And his response was. In a whisper, he couldn't even open his eyes. He said, uh, "I want to die when you die." And uh, you know, that is what I carry. Is that uh, he's not going to die till I die. You know, mm. and, and and I I I know what he meant, and I also know what it means. And that's the legacy. Is that I want to be. As I have in the in the grieving process and the reintegration of life and the part that I get to keep of him, I am his legacy. I am I am his reflection of the beauty that he gave me. And I and and the true legacy is love. You know, and, and that's that's what we carry. And so he will die when I die. I have no doubt about that. I don't wow. need to Wow, I just realized, I mean, I heard you say it the first time, and I, I thought I understood what you said, and then when I heard you say it the second time, I get it. Yeah. He will die when you die is exactly right. That is amazing. 
Yeah, we will die together. But you know what? He really won't because this book <laughs> <laughs> is going to be here. <laughs> and um, yeah. and and seriously, um, he he will not be dead after that because um, it's it's just too. It's too beautiful the way you've written it, the way you've explained what was going on at that time. You know, we're talking about the 1980s, right, when right. nobody knew what was going to be such a scourge um, and such a, a horrible accident, really. I mean, it was nobody did it on purpose that caused this to happen yeah. to your family. No, no, but it, it was... It was you know, you think about the transfusion of Lydia, of the the platelets. The platelets were given to her as a precautionary measure at the birth of Matt. She didn't even need them in the final analysis. And and, hmm. uh, and you think about the senselessness of that. And I think about people on the Facebook page that come and their children have been murdered or there's been a, a car accident or there's been... You know, you know, the, all the different types of way, ways we die, and and each one has its own seeds of senselessness, and each one you, makes this question, you know, how how could this happen? Why did this happen? And I had to go through that journey, and I went through many years in the initial stages, trying to figure out what the hell happened and what what's going on, why did all this unfold? And, um, yeah, it, uh, it's just it's part of the journey. And you talk about feeling ripped off earlier. Yeah, we have to go through the anger. I, have to, I had to lean into my anger. I had to lean into my fear. I had to lean into my, my anguish to, and the, the, the unbearableness of it all. I had to lean into it all because that was the only way I could get through it. And people around us that don't feel comfortable with the anger or feel comfortable with being uncomfortable, uh, <laughs> then it's it's uh, it's not a safe place. And so we find others who have gone through this and say it's safe. It, it, it's a safe place. You can you can express that here, and it doesn't mean we don't love any less. In fact. Um, I, there's a there's a phrase that someone said once that I really appreciate. He says, "We can only be betrayed by the ones we love," and the I I extrapolate that out into life betrayed me, and I love life and I love these people, and I have been betrayed. I have been ripped off, and but I wouldn't hurt if it, if I didn't love so deeply. So every time I hurt, I translate that for me into the reality that it's because I love and I don't want to lose that love and it's to lose that love if I if it meant that I if, if it meant I wouldn't hurt anymore if I never loved again then I would not choose that path love and hurt are just intertwined in life and that's just the healing is, is how we learn to live with them both not mm -hmm. how we learn to get over it, you know. So does that make sense? It does. And, you know, I, I flippantly mentioned two terrible marriages, um, and there's a lot of underlying pain and 
disappointment and confusion and hurt and all that stuff, as as you might imagine, that comes with well, twenty yeah. years twenty years of being married to the wrong people. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And and that feeling of wasted time, um, you know, feeling like you could hit yourself over the head with a two by four because you didn't leave sooner. I mean, all kinds of stuff that um, that comes up for me when I start thinking about it. But that is a loss of a whole different kind than what you're talking about with your family. Um, and sometimes I don't want to lean into it. I just want to forget it, you know, because it's just yeah. like, oh, my Lord. But it doesn't work that way. It does not work no, that way. And, and you know, you're, it is a different type of loss, but it is loss. And loss is loss. We and, and and I have lost jobs. I have lost relationships that that didn't work out. I've lost uh, you know dreams, losing dreams. Loss is loss, and we we all live. We are all living in loss, and we're all living in in that connection. To that, but one thing that that I, I'd like to share with you about that that looking at the past and and having that that. Uh, kind of remorse for, boy, I wish this was different. Mm-hmm. Is that I've, I've, I've looked pretty deeply into that in my own life, and, and that regretting the past is that I don't regret the past when I do not regret this moment. When I do not regret the present, I am not in regret of the past. All those things that I had to go through have brought me to this moment and if I did not go through those things, would I be here? Would you be with Pete right now? Would you be in the the, the human you are right now, the, the the person that you are? Would you be this now? And are you at peace with who you are now is the question. And when I am at peace with who I am right now, I am at peace with what I went through to get here. And I can answer that question. I know you might have been asking rhetorically, but I can actually answer it. And yes, I am at peace with who I am now. Um, yeah. And I don't. I don't dwell on on the the other two men that yeah yeah <laughs> that were part of my life. Except every now and then, I will wonder where my marine is because I hope he's yeah. doing okay. And I'm sad because my first husband never made it to age fifty. And I, when I found that out a few years ago, I was, I was frankly devastated. I never really intended to run into him again because he lives in Maryland at the time and I live in Arizona or California, whatever. But I did feel bad about it. So it's yeah. kind of interesting how <laughs> all the pieces of your life fit somehow. And I like mm-hmm. the idea that you said about moving into peace, not moving on, because mm-hmm. I think that fits with this too. You know, I can be at peace with my with my relationship with my first husband. I can hope he rests in peace because then there's the, all that anger and and frustration about you know ten wasted years really doesn't come up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not really appropriate anymore. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 good. And you know, what what also came to mind was you were sharing about. Where they were and what you were. It, it, it reminded me of the dynamic and loss of closure, you know. And and some things close for us, and some things are forever open, and are in the midst of. It, closure is not an event, and closure is more of, of an unfolding. And sometimes it's over. Sometimes it's a perpetual 
way of going through closure through, with something in loss, whether it be a dream or relationship and all that. You know, and I, I think back, all this happened to me in my early 20s and 30s, and Matt died when I was in, in, uh, coming up to 40, and all those were lost years in one sense. I didn't get a life that, that I certainly didn't get a life I thought I was going to get, but I didn't, I, you know, I was so immersed in all of this pain and anguish and walking with each one of them through their lives. That, that, and I looked up at the end of all that saying, I missed it. I missed that part of my life. And yet I had what I had. I had a life that, that unfolded. It wasn't what I would have preferred, but it was what I did. And I was there. I was present for it to the best of my ability. But yeah, there's, there's, there's that grieving of part of us that didn't accomplish or didn't do or didn't get a chance to do what we yearned to do and what we yearned to be. And that I had to grieve too. Well, that, that makes me think of a, a, a short list that I could make like that, <laughs> things that I yeah. could have, would have, should have maybe. But yeah. overall, I think like you're saying, like we started out when we, when we started out, we said telling the stories and sharing the journey is what makes all of it um, not easier, but I'm going to say workable. I mean, like I can, I can deal with it all because I, I do share freely. Um, I do love deeply and I do listen carefully when somebody else is telling me their story. And that's one of the things that, um, I think you and I have such a good relationship because of, you know, I listen mm-hmm. carefully and deeply, you listen carefully and deeply. And we don't find that all the time. No, no, it's, it's a rare gift uh, to find people. You know, I, I've said this over and over, and it's in the book, where the deep calls to deep mm-hmm. is that when, we are, when we're living in the depths, we yearn for those others of, the, of that depth. And we and we meet those of death, and we meet those at, at the at the the level and the and the, the the desire. Or I'm lost for words at that moment. But the the you know we we find each other, and that's so healing to find each other wherever it is in, in the pages of a book or you know in, in a conversation at a coffee shop. You know we find each other. You know, and that's what I was hoping with this book. I don't. I'm not into selling. I can't do that. But what I hope and what I put out there is that I hope that those that are drawn to this book will find it. And that's what when I was writing it. You know, I just wanted uh, I wanted those that uh, I wanted those that are experiencing what I experienced to know they're not alone, and that that they would be drawn to the pages and find themselves in those pages. They are. I can assure you they are. And they and more and more and more will come. And I say that you and I have met at the intersection of hope and loss. And we are walking the path to hope. Yeah. And your book is such a beautiful, beautiful testament to that. So 
Thank you so much for being with me for this 45 minutes. I think we could go for another hour, but I know we both yeah, have things yeah. to do. True, true, <laughs> um, true. But I, I just um, I love and respect you, and I think that um, the sharing and the depth of your book is unequaled. I think people have got to read it to believe it. Um, so they can go to your uh, website, which is theafterloss.com, and there are multiple places to be able to buy the book. Um, there are some bonuses that we put up there that are also amazing. Um, I suggest that people go to the Facebook community and hang out there. Um, if, you're, if you're grieving, if you're in loss, I believe you will find a willing, loving, tender ear. And Benjamin, you are just about the most wonderful sharing human being in this space that I have ever met, and I am not just saying that. Thank you, Deborah, and thank you for pushing me into doing this because it is a beautiful beautiful experience to share with you the journey uh, to be shared with others. And and our conversations have always encountered such a a, a beautiful interchange, and I, I, I look forward that others can be a part of that. Well, thank you. And I'm going to close our show today with um, notifying the listeners that next time I want to talk about preparatory grief, among other things, but let's just plan on that, preparatory grief, because that's a big one. And I would like to close with something that you said to someone uh, in a comment on the Facebook page. And you said, our frailties find strength in our common journey. We carry each other and hold each other in tenderness. And that's what this show has been about today. So thank you so much, Benjamin. Thank you to our listeners. And um, go out there and, and be who you are. Thank you.